1: Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.
2: Good evening and welcome to Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, authors Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air <clears throat> on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. To learn more about your hosts, visit our websites at Tamarthorne.com oh. and alistercross.com. <laughs> I'm sorry. <We're laughs> Sorry, it's been a fun 10 minutes with our guest. Uh, Anyway, to learn more about your host, visit our websites at tamarathorne.com and alistaircross.com. You can also give our Haunted Nights Live a page a a like on Facebook, or visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com. If you're on Twitter, our handle is at Thorn Cross. We would like to give a special thanks to W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. This is a copyrighted Um, trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, LLC. Um, Tonight, we have a very special guest that I'm really, really excited about. Um, Before we introduce him, um, I want to say a little bit about how I came across his work. Um, It's only been recent, but I actually had his books on my bookshelf for, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, Somebody gave it to me. You know, it really caught my eye, but I have tons of books a ridiculous amount of books and about three or four months ago I suppose maybe it was a little longer than that I happened to cross it again because I have several you know bookshelves and I thought eh, I'll give it a try <clears throat> and uh, I read it and I, I, I meant you know to just you know check it out and I ended up reading the whole thing in almost one sitting I could not stop reading it so what I did is I, I went on a mission then to, to to find this author and to get him on our show because I was so impressed with his work. And, um, it, you know, luckily, he's a nice guy. He didn't charge me, you know, with stalking him or anything like that. <laughs> but he he really, he's a great guy. I, I've read three or four of his books, you know, right in a row since then. I'm really excited about him. Um, before... We introduce him i want uh tamra my co-host to to read a little excerpt from his latest book tell me you're sorry which is the last book of his that i just read and this is this is from tell me you're sorry and this is how the book opens and this is just one example of why when you start reading this man's books you won't be able to stop Are you ready tamra
3: i'm ready okay i'm still hearing feedback um okay the blonde woman beside him in bed was a stranger The sheets covered her to the waist and she had on Vanessa's nightgown, the pink lacy number that got him hot whenever she wore it. From the moonlight coming through the bedroom window, he could see she wasn't Vanessa and he could see she was dead. With her head turned on the pillow, she faced him. Dick Ingalls stared at the bruises around her throat and her pale gray tinged skin. It looked like she'd been strangled. Her open eyes held a vacant stare and her tongue protruded from one side of her mouth. Horrified, Dick told himself it was all a nightmare. He tried to move, but he couldn't. He felt helpless, paralyzed, and in some awful limbo state between sleep and consciousness, yet he knew exactly where he was. Whoops, I just lost my place. Okay. Um, wait a second. I'm sorry, the technical difficulties here are. Oh, you're fine. Okay. Um, I just have to find out, find where I was. Okay, in the master bedroom, at their summer house, he told himself that his wife of two months, Vanessa, was asleep beside him in bed, not this dead stranger, this hideous apparition from some nightmare. This wasn't real.
2: That is from Tell Me You're Sorry, and when I picked that up and read that, I automatically (laughs) emailed our author and said, a guy wakes up next to a dead chick. I'm totally hooked. Love it, love it, love it. So let me uh, say a little bit about him, and then we will introduce him. Uh, Before his thrillers landed him on the New York Times bestseller list, Kevin O'Brien, our guest tonight, was a railroad inspector. The author of 16 internationally published thrillers, he won the Spotted Owl Award for Best Pacific Northwest Mystery and is a core member of the Seattle Seven Writers. In a review of Kevin's last thriller, Tell Me You're Sorry, press and guide said, If Alfred Hitchcock were alive today and writing novels, his name would be Kevin O'Brien. And I agree with that. Kevin's latest Nailbiter, No One Needs to Know, will be released this summer. And I can't wait to read it. So without any further ado, please welcome Kevin O'Brien. Hi, Kevin.
1: It's so great to be here, Alistair. Hi, Tamara. How are you doing?
2: Oh, You've fine. You composed
1: yourself. There was some chuckles originally there. I could hear you guys like...
3: Maybe I was the only one who heard the feedback. It was like triple feedback. I didn't... Oh, and it... oh, wow. And Oh, I thought everyone was hearing it. That was, uh, that was, Oh my God, (laughs) what do we do now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you composed yourself. You read that beautifully. I uh, thank you. Except I cannot Warren. read. I cannot read to save my life uh, out loud uh, uh, in front of an audience. It's like the King's Speech Part Two. It's uh, terrible. So.
3: Alistair makes me read all day long. He doesn't like oh, to. So we. That's when we edit. I'm the one who reads it all. <laughs> that's
1: true. That's true. Hey, you're a team. What What can you do? You know. That's, that's right. right.
2: That's right. <laughs> There's no I in team, Tamara. <laughs> but there's a me.
1: There's <laughs> a me, yeah. And a
2: T. And it's But team. no A. <laughs> no oh, A. That's right. But yeah, we were, we, were, we were having lots of fun before the show. Um, uh, good times. Um, but uh, let's start. Let's talk about. I would like to ask about your first books, Kevin, which they weren't thrillers.
1: Right, right. So so Um, what
2: did what did you write?
1: Well, the first book I wrote was called um, Actors, and it was like this sweeping saga of two starstruck actors uh, starting out in the 50s. And she makes it and he doesn't. He ends up being a gas station attendant off Broadway. And I called it "The Thornbirds Go to Hollywood." It was it was this nice. it was full of sex and uh, steamy romance and uh, heartbreak and everything else. It was it was pretty funny. It was written around the day of Jackie Collins when she was so popular. I wrote it in 1985, and uh, oh wow. My agent at the time kept saying, "More sex, more sex, more sex." So. Um, I kept putting more sex in it, <laughs> and I, uh, I actually, for, for, um, for inspiration, I looked at those letters to Penthouse Magazine <laughs> so I could do some good <laughs> sex scenes. And they were, you know, those are terrific. The the writing in that is really good. It's perverted, but it's really good. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, yeah, it is bizarre. And uh, and so when the book finally was released, uh, you know, my mother uh, was reading it. She (laughs) she she told me she said, "Well, um, you know, uh, I." usually like this sort of thing but when it's my own son writing it it's a little difficult and she said uh, <laughs> um and i thought i thought okay that was pretty bad he, he, this is as, probably as bad as it's going to get and somehow then the next scene you know you had him doing on the chandelier and i i i couldn't believe it i said well mom i'm really sorry I should have written it under a different name and she said <laughs> oh no no daddy and i will change ours you know so, so <laughs> So that was my first book. And then uh, after that, it was about 10 years uh, before I published my next one. I was working full time for the railroads. And uh, so I was sort of writing at night and working all the live long day. And um, I wrote this book called Only Son. It took a long time to to get it published because it was sort of a strange story about um, a nice guy who abducts an infant uh, from this sort of – couple down the block from him who he doesn't think is are going to be fit parents. And he ends up, uh, yeah, he ends up very, being a really good dad. And, uh, when the kid's about 12 years old, he starts to figure out something's wrong. And so it's, it's the father's story. It's the mother's story, the birth mother's story and the kid's story. And, um, it was a tough sell because of obviously because of the subject matter. Um, but it finally, uh, we finally got, uh, uh, God, I'm having a, a senior moment. Uh, oh, he wrote. <laughs> he, he wrote the omen. David Seltzer. David Seltzer uh, optioned it, and he got Tom Hanks interested in it. So once the movie people were interested, the, we got it published, and then uh, then uh, uh, Reader's Digest picked it up, and uh, it was it it made me enough money to quit the railroads. And uh, nice. my yeah, my agent at the time sat me down and said, well, you know. These were both tough sales for you. You know, it's tough getting both books sold. So um, why don't you try and write something in a genre and write a thriller? You love Hitchcock. And so that's when I started writing thrillers. My first one was The Next to Die. So nice. that, and Yeah, it made the USA Today bestseller list. And uh we thought, okay, that's, you found your niche, Kevin. So, <laughs> so nice, nice. That, that's how I got started in the thriller, in the thriller writing business. So <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: So, do you, do you feel like, have, would you ever go back? Would you go outside the genre again? Or are you pretty happy? In I'm pretty
1: locked into to writing thrillers. In fact, uh, my latest contract is, is not, you know, three Kevin O'Brien books. It's, Three Kevin O'Brien serial killer thrillers. <laughs> it doesn't. Nice. It doesn't make any bones about what they want me to write. And I had this discussion with my agent. I said, you know, what do you think uh, if I could do another book like Only Son, which I thought a lot of people think is really was really good? Um, God bless them. I, I, it's not, listen to me blow my you know toot my own horn. Uh, but uh, I asked my agent. I said, you know, could I, I maybe write another one like that? And she said. Uh no, <laughs> I think I think John uh, John Grisham had a, a book that wasn't about lawyers and it wasn't a thriller and I t- I think it did okay but it didn't do as spectacular as all his other books. So yeah. so many of us thriller authors get locked into it. They use that John Grisham excuse every time. They're like, well, yeah, John yeah. Grisham couldn't, you know. And so yeah. we're kind of we're kind of in our groove, but it's not a bad groove to be in, you know. So yeah, I can't complain. Yeah. So poor, poor, pitiful me. I'm stuck writing fun <laughs> thrillers, you know.
2: <laughs> I know, right? And they're damn good thrillers too. So... <laughs> oh, thank you.
1: Yes, I. I you, your check is in the mail, Alistair. For all those... <laughs> thank you, thank you for that.
2: <laughs> so going back, what, what, when did you know you were a writer? When did you decide you wanted to do this?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Um, I think it was on a lark when I was at school at Marquette University in Milwaukee. I um, took a creative writing class. I just thought, "Ah, you know, it was like my junior year and I was starting to just do um, electives and, you know, just things that I kind of wanted to do for classes. And I'd always loved Hitchcock ever since I was a kid. I loved Alfred Hitchcock movies. I loved Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I think it had something to do with the fact that my older sister who is a, She's 15 years older than me, and she was like sort of my babysitter sometimes and sort of the disciplinarian of the family, you know, always getting the other kids in, in order and stuff like that. Uh, and she, she was afraid to take a shower in the house alone somebody else had mm-hmm. to be in the house so she could and i was like well, what's this why, why? and I, right. I, there was this movie called psycho where somebody gets stabbed in the shower and i'm like oh i have to see this and i right. already <laughs> loved hitchcock you know i loved i loved thrillers so i became sort of obsessed with hitchcock so when i started taking this creative writing class in, in school i uh started just writing these creepy short stories. And the teacher, her name was Ann Powers. She took me aside and she said, you know, you remind me of my friend who I'm in the same writer's group with. His name's Robert Block. And I'm like, Robert Block, who wrote Psycho, and he's like, "Yes," <laughs> and, and you know, Psycho happened. It was influenced by the Ed Gein case in Wisconsin. So, uh, sh- you know, that's where Robert Block, being from Milwaukee, uh, got the idea for Psycho. So, um, anyway, so I think I was destined to write thrillers from then on. And I, she was a terrific teacher too, because she didn't she didn't tell us what to write or what our writing style should be like it was uh, more of the business of writing and as she would tell us about the writers market and how to write a good letter to an editor to try and get them to read nice. her stuff and things like that you know and she didn't make us write something like beowulf you know which you know right like, <laughs> you know you, or you know she wasn't this snooty critical person she was just really very supportive she she had us uh at a couple of parties uh you know she picked and chose her students and i guess i was one of them <laughs> and she <laughs> had me at different parties where she had editors and agents at and you know she she had us read our stuff to them i mean she was really a terrific uh author and uh teacher so That's i so think it was thanks to her i said uh i set this goal um while i was still in school i thought if i can get. A short story or a book published by the time I'm 30. I I'm going to keep at this, and if I can't, then I'll try and figure out something else. And um, so uh, I had written actors, my Thornbirds go to Hollywood tale, <laughs> back in <laughs> in the early 80s, and it took a couple of years to finally get it public, uh, you know, to try and sell it. And on my the day after my thirtieth birthday, the phone rang at six thirty in the morning, and I thought it was the railroads. I thought there was a railroad derailment, and there was somebody calling me to say that I had to cover it for the railroads. And it was my agent, and she she was singing "Happy Birthday" to me like Marilyn to JFK, you know. <laughs> nice. And, and she said, uh, "For your birthday, I'd like to say you've." You're getting your book published and you are, so give me a call. And that was my that was my first book.
2: Oh so, wow. So you um, barely made that deadline. <laughs> i j
1: di- I'm glad I didn't throw out the underwood at the you know, I'm glad I didn't uh didn't uh quit that on the thirtieth birthday. Uh, one more day. Just just missed the deadline. So that, to me, anyway. most, writers,
0: most writers don't seem to get published before they're in their thirties anyway. So you
1: are Oh, I know. Firm. Although I just yeah. uh, I just had uh I was just at a function and Sherman Alexie showed up and so I said, he was I was talking to him for a minute. Uh and he uh he I didn't know he was younger than me. He was a lot younger than me. And I think he, <laughs> oh, he yeah. published like when he was twenty three or twenty four, I think. That was oh, his wow. first book. Yeah. It was like well, Carson McCullers too with uh Heart is a Lonely Hunter. I think she was like twenty or something like that. I hate people like that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I,
0: I want to backtrack to Robert Block. I got to hang out with him quite a bit earlier. In Get the out
1: of here. Oh, my God, yeah. you're kidding. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah,
0: Yarbrough was a good friend of his and put us together. And we spent two hours going out to a, to see a cat sanctuary in Vegas, outside of Las Vegas, at a con oh, the three of us fascinating. were at. We spent the whole time punning back and forth. <laughs> he was like the best punster in the world. And, and he I love inspired. Him. I think we did every pun about ground beef that was possible, <laughs> and I don't remember the rest. But, oh, what a nice guy! Oh, what a nice guy!
1: Oh, that's so cool to know. I mean, it's it, that is so funny because you didn't sound too surprised when I when I said you know he was from Milwaukee and blah blah blah. You, he might have been from <laughs> Wisconsin or something like that. Where,
0: <laughs> but, I don't know uh, where uh, he was from, but he lived in yeah. L.A. at the time. So.
1: Uh, well, I think originally he lived in Wisconsin because, uh, you know, like I say, the Ed Gein uh, thing oh, happened yeah. uh, back in the 50s, back when he was just starting out as a writer, I think.
0: So. I, armchairs with real arms.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, my God. Oh, and it's so funny, you know, to hear that he was like a punster and very, you know, is people expect thriller authors to be so dark and so like, you know, creepy and, you know, like Uncle Fester or something like that. And (laughs) instead, you know, they usually are very funny people and very, very, you know, fun to be around. I have a theory.
0: And that's Mm -hmm. because. We all get to take out our aggressions. Yes. And a certain editor I won't, who will remain nameless, once said that we were a lot easier to get along with than uh, romance writers. You know, oh, and yeah. they don't get their aggressions out; they get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we just kill,
1: you know, and we, we just tap into <laughs> our dark side and you know kill. That's and, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but only on paper, you know. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, you we get, get you, it out. Yeah, it's funny. Um, that reminds me of a story that. Um, My book, uh, Watch Them Die, was about a – she works at a video store, my heroine. And I I worked at a video store for, oh gosh, about – well, in fact, it just closed a couple of years ago. I was just working part time there, but it was great to get oh. out and you know meet people oh, yeah. and and push my books to them and stuff like that <laughs> while I was working, and also free videos, you know. So, um, but so your yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, they were they were actually selling my books at the video store too. So, and oh, a right, lot of right, people, right. yeah, got to get to you know get to be a little neighborhood celebrity more because I'm working the video store than because I'm an author but um anyway this book this book took place in a video store and the heroine was getting um famous movies like she would find it in her shopping cart or in her purse a video this goes back this goes in fact the book came out in 19 no in 2000 i think 2001 or something like that but she would get vhs tapes uh rewound to the point where somebody's getting murdered so in one scene, um, you know, she she finds in The Godfather when Mo Green is shot in the eye on the massage table. I, if you remember that scene with, um, oh God, Alex Rocco, I think is the name. But anyway, um, oh, yeah. so there was a really nasty customer that we had at the video store. And I wrote this whole scene out where he like chews out some employee because they didn't give him the right video. And, um, so then I killed him on the massage table and this actually, the, the two out scene actually happened in our video store. And, um, I just, you know, almost word for word used it. And then I killed the guy
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: in, in the way that, uh, that, uh, Mo Green was killed on the massage table. He got shot in the eye, like I said. And about, uh-huh. um, about two months later, I get a call from one of my coworkers at the video store and he's like didn't you kill off so-and-so in, in your last book? And I said, yeah. And he said, he's dead. I was like, what? He's really dead? And they're like, yeah. And, I, and you know, it, I, I sound so horrible, but the guy was such a jerk. I couldn't really, I couldn't. And everybody I talked to, was, he got, we ended up kicking him out of the store. And he would come by with his pit bull dog and like stare at us outside the store window and send a friend in. And and I'd heard like his he'd make his dog pick fights with people. I mean, he was like he was like you know one of these people in the movie when he dies. You're like kind of happy. So I was kind of I I felt ter- sort of terrible for not feeling terrible. It was weird. So now you know what a what a corrupt soul I am. I'm going straight <laughs> to hell. When I'm, I'm, I'm never going to see my parents actually, again. They- <laughs> actually,
2: that's that's all right. We're we 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 totally. We get it. <laughs> can you relate? Yes, we can you relate?
1: Do. You <laughs> get those aggressions out. It's, you know. Yeah. yeah. You have to. You oh, have... you do. And, you know, I get that question often. you people like, you seem like such a nice guy. How can you write these things? And I'm like, well, I, you know, you tap into that dark place. And, in fact, I, I I live in a small co-op. And there's about, oh, I think it's 18 units here. And I've been here for, forever. And I'm a an night owl. I do most of my writing at night. So, uh I am the keeper of the keys. If somebody gets locked out at night, they can call me, and I'll let them into their unit. And so we I had some new neighbors, and uh, the, it was a couple, and the husband came to me um, and said, you know, my wife's reading your book, and she's in the middle of the night, she wakes me up and says... He's got our keys, (laughs) so so he he was a little freaked out over the fact that you Ah. were coming up with this stuff and you you had access to our apartment. Uh, Well, no, no, it's I'm I'm pretty nice guy, really. I swear, just on paper.
2: (laughs) Nice. So, um, for anybody who's just joining us, we're talking to New York Times bestselling author Kevin O'Brien. Who's? Uh, Could you latest, say that again?
1: What is it? New York Times bestselling New author. New York Times. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> New York Times. New York Times. <laughs> we have you trained. We have you
0: programmed.
2: <laughs> we are here with Kevin O'Brien, New York Times bestselling author uh, of New York Times <laughs> Tell me you're sorry, uh, make them cry, which I would like to ask you a little bit about. And um, also uh, for everybody just listening, we did have some technical difficulty at the beginning of the show. We're sorry about that, it was kind of a mess, but we've got it figured out now. Yes, we introduced some yeah. new, uh, our studio changed and, and, and we're figuring it out, so sorry about that. Uh, okay, so back to Kevin. The New, New, York York <laughs> New York Times, best New York Times. This
1: I should would be like I, a drinking game. This is a drinking I game, I think. We can <laughs> yeah. every uh, Audience out there, every time they say New York Times, but you are allowed to have a shot of bourbon, okay? <laughs> okay, I've got New my Times. gin out. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. All,
2: right. <laughs> All right. So I would like to ask you about uh, your book, uh, make them cry. The reason why is because yeah. this is the first book of yours that I, that I picked up and it just, it absolutely hooked me in. I was so impressed by the intricate plotting, the great characters and the storyline itself, which, which is, you know, really unique. Um, I, I can't really say oh, a whole lot about you. it. Without giving, I can't say a whole lot without giving spoilers, but this thing you did at the end was really, um, It was fantastic. I did not see it coming. I wish I could say what it is, but I can't. But (laughs) well, because it would it would totally get the whole thing away. Because if I if you know people want to read it and you should, they'd be like, oh yeah, it's really not that. You know, I I already knew that was coming, but I didn't. (laughs) Ah, that's (laughs) good to hear. I love it. I love it. And 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 you have done that continually throughout your books. And so, what I'd like to know. Well, first, specifically about that book, what gave you the idea for the plot of Make Them Cry?
1: Oh, well, I have a friend who was, uh, was a former priest, and uh, he invited me to go out to dinner with him and some of his other priest friends, and uh, former priest friends, and seminarians, and stuff, and uh, just listening to them talk until stories i was just a dog I was like, all this was going on in the seminary for god's sake <laughs> and, uh, and you know it was just a, it was a little uh, it was like between uh the sort of um the priests that were sort of like mean to the kids there was no there was no sexual abuse between the priests and the and the um students but there was there was you know physical abuse and then there was um between the students, there was a lot going on. All I can, without sounding too, um, sounding too perverted, it was, it, was, it was there was a lot happening. It was a zippy little cemetery or sem- seminary, I should say. Anyway, um, so that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? Anyway, um, so I thought I would really like to send some sort of creepy thriller in a, a seminary, and uh, and boy, just, was it creepy. It seemed- Thank you. I, you know, and I tapped into my whole Catholic background and, and, you know, I was fascinated when I was a kid, uh, with martyrs and saints and, um, you know, uh, reading up on all the grisly goings on. Uh, in fact, I, I got together with Lori King, who did the beekeepers apprentice and she does a lot of the Sherlock Holmes. She's you know, won mm-hmm. awards and all this other stuff. And she uh, started out studying theology. And I asked her, I said, you know, was, was it all the stories, all those gruesome stories you read in the Bible that were sort of an influence on you? And she said, yeah. And I think I have to agree. I think reading up on all that stuff when I was a little Catholic boy, <laughs> um, okay. must have been, I tapped into that. And so, uh, you know, and you can just, I had a blast writing that one. That was one of the funnest books um, uh, book writing experiences I've had, uh, especially, oh, uh, since, yeah, it was, it was early in my career too. So writing was, wasn't work yet. <laughs> it was, it was just really right. exciting. So uh, I I had a good time with that. In fact, it, it must have, it must uh, have worked because that book is the one that's been reprinted, I think, more than any other books of, of, of my yeah, books.
2: So. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it really, you know, like I, I, I read a lot, you know, so it's, You know, I I read a lot, but I I really am only, you know, generally good for, you know, two, maybe three consecutive books uh, from an author because it's not that I get tired of them or that they lose a pill or anything like that. It's just there's so much other stuff I want to read. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've read... I think four or maybe five now of yours in a row, in a row, and it's just like, and, oh, and I just finished. I know, and it's like I'm we, I'm, we, I'm
1: terrified. You're gonna probably like write me a letter saying, you know, you have no. you're just, Suddenly, you're gonna turn no. on me. You're just gonna no. turn no. on me, just like
0: <laughs> no, because, because I New York Times bestselling
2: author. <laughs> yes. Oh, I think everybody just had a
1: shot of something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but no really i I, yeah. I still have to go back i mean there's still uh, plenty of books of yours that i that i don't have yet, oh that I, I well thank to you get, i don't so yeah no and, and seriously I, I mean it it's it's i i really attribute you know my being able to you know t- you know loving these so much not getting tired of them to the fact that your endings okay like uh that that uh quotes that um I can't remember the name of the place that said, if Alfred Hitchcock, you know, we alive and, and oh, writing yeah, thank you. novels. Yeah. Yes. But I, I agree with that. And, and it reminds me a lot of that because you don't see what's coming. It's, it always is just like, Oh my God, I didn't see that coming. So I'm curious about how, how do you keep that? How do you, do you ever feel like, what if I can't, Write something that they can 't see coming oh, all the time
1: that? all the time i think I think that thinking that way always makes me try and you know take it up a notch uh, i i uh, i don't have it's it's weird a friend of mine uh, had told me he said you've got the right amount of confidence and uh humility or lack of confidence <laughs> <laughs> that you're always trying to please your reader and surprise them, and 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 you know. Once again, I sound like I'm tooting my own horn, um, and I guess I am. Damn it, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you
2: Times <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You Thank that. you.
1: Have a drink, <laughs> anyway. Um, and uh, no, I I I think that having to meet that challenge each time I write a a book, and I outline my books, which makes uh, these sort of Surprise twist at the end that I, I'm always going for. I know that before I even put, uh, I know what's coming as before I even start actually writing the actual book. I, my outlines are very long too; they're about a hundred pages, and
2: oh, they're wow. almost like wow. mini
1: novels. Yeah, they're like they're like mini oh. novels, and I submit it to my editor, and I've had the same editor ever since Only Son. So we we've been working together for nearly 20 years and um, wow. uh, so yeah we work together really well he's he's terrific up with Kensington books
2: yeah.
1: and um and so i i'll submit this like 100 page outline to him so he there are there are no surprises by the time he gets the book but uh you know it's filled out enough that uh you know he he, there's a few surprises along the way yeah. for him, so it's a good read. <laughs> right, but right. Um, yeah, I'm always uh, I always know exactly where I'm going when I start writing the book. Nice. That's
0: interesting because some authors will say you shouldn't outline. I would be very uncomfortable if I didn't know the end of the book before I started yes. writing, or at least yeah. an end. You know, it may change. Do your characters ever do that and surprise you?
1: Um. Not. Not totally. I think sometimes what happens is when I'm writing uh the book I'll realize in the outline my characters uh the surprise is that my character would never do something that I have them doing. <laughs> and, I, and I I was I suddenly realize that is not in her character. I can't I can't go here and I can't make this scene happen until I kind of either do something with her backstory or give a good excuse why she's doing the things she's doing. So that uh, the characters don't surprise me. I think the circumstances I put my characters in sometimes surprises me, if, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it, uh, it does.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, they say that we 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 have, we're, we're all talking one at one once. I talk. love this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> New York Times. selling off. Have another drink, folks. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Tamara. <laughs> uh, okay. For us, we both are surprised by the characters. They pretty much talk in our heads all the time, Mm. And, and they will do things we don't expect and change the books now.